But um, we're going to get to God's Word, and we're going to open it up. And it's Psalm 122. I'm just going to read this psalm uh, before Pete comes and and explains it more to us. Psalm 122. It's got it there in the Bible. Psalms, if you're not familiar, maybe you're watching at home and uh, you've got your Bible app. Uh, Middle of the the Bible is a good place to sort of know where the Psalms are. Uh, Psalm 122 says these words. A song of ascents of David. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord, according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls. And security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Thank you so much, Pete. Well, good evening. And isn't it fantastic to be here tonight in a church building where I've been invited for the first time to come and speak to you. And many of us have come without you know, hindrance in a way to get here. We've been on a little journey and we're surrounded by these walls that protect us from the thunderstorm that was just a few moments ago. Um, and we're safe, and we can sing to the Lord, and we can hear his word. And in some ways, that's what I'm talking about tonight uh, in this psalm, and that's what just came to me sitting there. So just a little additional information. Um, now, many of us may not have been on a, on a pilgrimage ourselves, but you may have been on an Oakhall trip to Israel, and you may have seen the fantastic sights. Or indeed, you, um, sorry, um, you, many of the pilgrimages that we hear about in history are from the Middle Ages, and around us is that history. We have the Pilgrim's Way not too far away from here in the North Downs, uh, and, you, and it runs from Winchester to Canterbury and through here and through Otford. Um, and actually, many years ago, I met a chap wandering along that path with a big crucifix around his neck and some traditional garb on, uh, carrying a Bible in his hands, and the, of a curious sight, really. In fact, I think he even had some sort of fake stigmata, but it's not something that we see very often, um, especially in the middle of uh, wintry October. Um, and whilst we may not I don't know, still conduct pilgrimages in the same way, this is, there's something sort of more, um, or is less significant in the evangelical church. Um, it's something that when we do do, or we have some kind of journey, we can really uh, realize God's majesty. And for me, uh, those times are going down to Cornwall. And since the moment I was born, more or less a few months later, I was down in Cornwall um, and have been going ever since. And to me, that's an annual pilgrimage. And now my young family are uh, indoctrinated somewhat into being forcefully taken to Cornwall. No, they love it. Uh, For two weeks a year, uh, where I can sit out on my surfboard (laughs) while they sit on the beach, and I can see the waves crashing around me, not into me, so I go out beyond that. Um, I can see the, the weather coming in and the cliffs. Well, can, we can walk across the cliff tops and look down at what God has created. And in those moments, my heart sings. And I sing out to the Lord and I pray. And there's, there's something special there, a spiritual connection. And that's the place that I've always sort of called my spiritual home. 
Um, and it really makes you feel joyful. Uh, sometimes it gives you some perspective as well. Okay, I drove down there, I didn't walk the 240 miles. Um, I think that's a bit unreasonable these days. Now, we've heard uh, Psalm 122, which was a, originally a song of ascent, and of which there are 15, uh, and four of them attributed to King David. Um, and they were written uh, as a sort of, uh, an, uh, a, I think, part of the journey to Jerusalem that could be used and sung uh, by pilgrims. Um, but it might be, in fact, that uh, David never made that pilgrimage himself. And, it, and, and some commentators, I think many commentators say, that it was a bit of a prophecy about what would happen to Jerusalem, the holy city, later on. Um, just, being, just to reflect again on another journey before I get into some depth here. That I, it was actually the last time I led an Oak Hall expeditions trip to Italy uh, in Tuscany. And on that trip, I met Robbie. Now, Robbie isn't a Christian, but he's a fantastic cyclist. He is the strongest, fittest guy I've ever cycled with. Um, and we really couldn't keep up with him. He's a professional. Um, I think, hopefully, when the trip starts again, he will be out there riding with our guests. Um, and halfway through the week, we had a break, as you do from your guests, no, from, from the heavy cycling work that we, we did. I said to Robbie, let's go to a CC. Now, I had been to a CC before, once before, but he hadn't. It was about 120 kilometers round trip. It was about 32 degrees, uh, and we knew it was a hard day. We'd have to leave early and just cycle and come back and not miss the evening talk. Um, and he said yes, despite our exhaustion, he said yes. And he planned a route for us that was through every single hill he could find, every beautiful little town, through the vineyards, and it was fantastic. And during that journey, I think God kept me going, apart from some water. We got um, to the plains, we could see the city in front of us, this Assisi where St. Francis is buried, a bit more on that later on, and riding up, sort of looking up onto this hill where we could see fortifications, the uh, basilica, uh, and this, this, just, this town that had been hit by a few earthquakes in the past, still standing strong. Uh, and it made me think again about this psalm that we're looking at tonight. Well, we got there, a bit out of breath, a bit exhausted, and uh, after 60 kilometers, he said, well, let's go back. I said, what? No, I need my salad first. He said, I need a salad first, then we'll go back. He said, no, I've come this way. We are going to go up to the tomb and see St. Francis' tomb and the basilica. And so I, said, I said, well, no, you've got five minutes, Peter, and then you're back on the bike. If, I'm not, if you're not here in five minutes, catch me up on the bike. I mean, there's no way I'm going to catch this guy up. He's pretty fast. And most of the time, I was slipstreaming behind him anyway. He was just giving me a bit of extra boost. But I was eager, and I was keen to go and stand on that holy ground. Um, and I went up, rushed up through the gates, rushed up and, and saw it, rushed back down again, sweating. I did have some food as well. I mean, I was silly. I went for carbohydrates and Coke. He just had salad. That was probably the wisest thing uh, <laughs> to do. Um, the reason why I thought St. Francis of Assisi is an interesting character is that he lived by faith and not by sight. And there's a bit more of that later on. And as we saw that on that video of Open Doors, another person who does that in our age is Brother Andrew. I, can't, I, I don't know if he's still with us. I can't remember. But I've read his books. He's a fantastic uh, it's a preacher and writer and, and a guy who's gone out into, into beyond um, sort of eastern fronts and into and, and actually done similar things to St. Francis preaching to, to Muslims and not being killed by, you know, by entering those countries in war zones 
So, um, I'm just going to catch up myself. So Jerusalem is a place, uh, it's, it's the holy city, it's the center of worship, and it's a place where uh, the Lord has put his name down and is where he meets with people on earth. Um, and, and people would go up to, to, to the city of Jerusalem and sing possibly these psalms uh, on holy feast days. And as we said earlier, it's unlikely that King David actually visited the city in its state. It could have been a tent city. It could have been something that he had a vision for to create this city that's close together, as we heard uh, in that reading. Um, and he asks people, well, God has given him a glimpse of what the future holds, and he is asking people to commit to prayer uh, over what turned out to be millennia so far. So, in verse 1, he says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And we see that David was in, delighted, just as I'm delighted to be up here, but he's invited to be with his brothers and sisters um, and rejoicing uh, with the people uh, in, in a holy place that he's been called to in his father's house. And then in verse 2, he says, Our feet shall stand within the gates. O Jerusalem, or better, uh, our feet are, sta- are standing. I've got a slightly different translation than we read out, sorry. Um, and it is great to be standing here, and it is great that we can be in our church now uh, after such a difficult year and a half or so. But the verse implies that pilgrims had not yet been to Jerusalem, that they were thinking of, of that road, that journey, and the joy it would bring them when they got to that safe place, away from the danger, and they passed through the gates, and the gates had been closed behind them, and that the enemies could not follow them in. In verse 3, we see that Jerusalem is built uh, as a built and compacted together city. And again, I think that's a vision that he had. And this is really gets a bit sort of strange in a way or interesting because he says David's vision for, um, for, the, for that built city is, is not a collection of tents, but perhaps it's under construction, but he's seeing the physical element of the city close together as well as the spiritual um, and where these 12 tribes that had been, that are Israel, had been separated out, but they would come together in this city and be forced, <laughs> forced together. So there are different tribes with different sets of values in perhaps the same way that we have different churches today, but we come together with Christ. Um, and in verse 4, it's where uh, the tribes of the Lord, uh, when they can go up to, it says, sorry, Whither the tribes that go up, the tribes of the Lord, when there is unity within there, um, will be, uh, there will be gatherings from without. The tribes go up to a compact center. As we know, um, as I just sort of alluded to, that the, uh, there's a physicalness and a closeness of it. Um, if I'm going over the same bit again, possibly. Um, but what we should focus on is, is if we find ourselves divided, we should come together, and where we should find... Um, to try and break down that, any kind of tribal individuality, which is what he was trying to do in his vision for Jerusalem. Um, and at the, time, uh, at the time that our church here and churches across the world, as we've seen in India and indeed to some extent in this country, we are under attack by exterior forces who are deliberately trying to divide us up. They might pick on bits of the church that they don't like, or they might try and break us up on on theological grounds, Um, or they might just try and physically attack us, as we might have seen in Canada recently, uh, where unfortunately churches are being burnt down for historic reasons that um, people are associating with the church 
But this is part of the wider picture of church, is that we should expect to be attacked. And then in verse 5, he says, uh, for there are set thrones of judgment. And this is where David sets out his lineage, really, I think, and um, where there will be a, a throne where he will judge uh, or make decisions for people coming to him with perhaps there could be small disputes or trivial matters. Um, but that line that he then creates would be the, 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 his children and the future line of David, where that, that judgment would be there and established. Here people would be uniquely blessed, however, as we'll see in verse 6, when David warns that the city will be greatly troubled. In verse 6 he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As you probably know, uh, Jerusalem means city of peace. But over the last 3,000 years, it's been anything but. It's been conquered, it's been attacked, it's been disputed. Um, and with its own internal borders now, it's, it's, we can never fail to see a day go by without some sort of news about how uh, there are uh, things going on that cause bloodshed and death and misery for lots of people. And he knew at that time when he saw that, that the city would need walls, it would need defences, turrets and gates. And and that was a long way off that that God had sort of unveiled that to him. But he asked asked in verse 7 for peace to be within those walls. And in verse 8, for the brethren and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within thee. And here's Spurgeon, who, as I found out when researching this, uh, wrote about nine pages of text around a nine-verse passage. He says, it is, a, it, um, it is to the advantage of all Israel that there should be peace in Jerusalem. It is for, good, it is for good, the good of every Christian, yea, of every man, that there should be peace and prosperity in the church. And that's what King David wanted as well, was peace and prosperity for the church to grow and for its people uh, to prosper in the Lord. In verse nine, he says, because of the house of the Lord... Our God, I will seek thy good. And how can we see good when the house of God is under attack? Where is God securing the place for his, um, securing this place for his people? And so I'm thinking now about what are we taking away from this passage and what can we apply to how we live today or what, uh, how our church is today? Well, we should be eager and excited to meet with our brothers and sisters, to to share and support and worship together. It's not a religious um, ritual, but a spiritual passion. Uh, And we should be coming together in unity and not division, but unified by Christ. I'm not suggesting that we walk away from our our core values in the Bible and what we we take from it in our church. Um, But where is God? When... When, and why do we need defences? I mean, we saw today the thunderstorm, but why do we need defences from those who seek to harm us? And if you take a, a step back, and if I asked you to draw a picture of the holy city, you probably wouldn't draw um, people being bombed or killed or injured. Um, you'd probably, well, you might do now, but you'd probably draw something a bit more worshipful and people lifting their hands up to the Lord. Um, and rather than under siege. And well, how do we find God's presence when we, we, we see that destruction and that suffering? And people always ask us as Christians, um, how does God let disasters happen? 
However, God is, ble- is blessing those places in, uh, in troubled times. And Jerusalem is a very troubled and the most troubled city, which David foresaw all those thousands of years ago. But he asked us to pray for it. So we should continue to pray for Jerusalem. And we know that we live in a fallen world where we see tragedy and conflict and death. But we can see um, through our faith that God is with us and with those who are suffering. And we believe that he can redeem the fallen and he can reconcile those with each other and uh, offer us hope everlasting. Maybe we won't see that in, in that brief moment, in that time of the BBC News or whatever it is, or indeed in our own lifetime, but it will work out. Now, going back to that sort of uh, thought about St. Francis of Assisi, or as again, Brother Andrew, both have taught me in my life to live by faith because we cannot live by sight. And I came across a preacher, again, whilst researching this, who, who demonstrated it really well, and he said, um, it's far better to live by faith than sight because we, cannot, because we cannot by sight alone. You cannot see the future and its outcomes of your life. And you cannot see into the future or into the past, just as you can't see the angels, and you, but you can only really see what's in front of you right now. So it is our faith that carries us forward and not necessarily what we see with our own eyes. So that's the, uh, that's the end of my sermon. I hope that's not too short, but yes. Thank you.